The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to Planning Month on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and this month, we're taking a minute to evaluate 2019 and help you set your SEO plans for 2020. Joining us is a friend of the pod, Ryan Pertil, who is now the Vice President of SEO at Healthline Media, which is now the largest and fastest growing consumer health publisher in the world. With domains including healthline.com, medicalnewstoday.com, and greatest.com, reaching over 250 million people a month. Today, Ryan and I are going to talk about how to manage your cross-functional relationships to get the resources you need for 2020. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, on with the show. Here's my conversation with the newly minted VP of SEO at Hellfine Media, Ryan Pertil. Ryan, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Ben. Excited to be um, a repeat guest. Dude. Since the last time we talked, you've had a lot going on. You got promoted. You're now the biggest health media consumer. And the company got acquired. Yeah. We got a lot to catch up on. Let's start and talk about you. You're the VP of SEO. Congratulations. You've made it to the mountaintop. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a it's been a wild couple months. I mean, really starting in July is almost when all that happened. We got acquired by uh, Red Ventures big group out of North Carolina. And yeah, at the same time, I got my promotion. And the day we got acquired is when the press release went out that we were the largest health publisher in the world. So it was kind of a very big week to set a high bar. And I'm sure everything has just been back to normal ever since then. 
<laughs> yeah, of course. Right after an acquisition, it's always uh, smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah. Were you guys uh, drastically impacted by the series of Google updates or how have things been in SEO world lately for you? Yeah. So for the four kind of ones like March, and I think we talked about this a little bit, March was the one that hurt Hellfine the most where we saw you know, about a 20% hit to the site. And that was really the first real algorithm that's negatively affected the site. So it was a little bit of like a new kind of place for us, new place for our our board at the time because we hadn't been acquired. And you can imagine it's during due diligence to get acquired. So it's a... Perfect timing. Kind of a, a stressful time. But we really looked at it as a way of, you know, to learn something new. And it was like, all right, we developed about 30 different tests within two weeks to start diagnosing what that algorithm was all about. Come the June core algorithm, we saw a full recovery and some. So we're seeing record kind of days. Yesterday was a record, the most we've ever gotten in a single day, 9.3 million sessions. So like we continue to learn these things after each kind of algorithm. September was good for Healthline. We saw a little bit of a drop-off on Medical News Today, which is our kind of second site, but also learned a whole bunch of things about that algorithm by doing that. I mean, I think one of the advantages that I have as an SEO is I have three pretty big sites that are different from one another that are all in the same space. And I, you can kind of use them against each other to diagnose what Google is assessing as quality in the new algorithm. So it's been kind of a fun challenge in a way. And yeah, it's been it's interesting. It seems like almost every quarter now, there's some significant movement, either up or down, which makes forecasting for 2020, kind of difficult. And I know that's a lot of what this week's about. That's what we're here to talk about. But before we do get into talking about cross-functional relationships and your SEO planning, you mentioned that you learned a lot about the algorithm. Anything that's not proprietary that you could share with the audience that you guys figured out? (laughs) Yeah, I'll say September because that's kind of the most recent one for other people. I think if you looked at the rise in dictionary traffic in September... And if you look at where we saw it, at least, and I imagine it's repeatable for a lot of other sites, what we saw were pages didn't lose ranking for their head terms at all. Large comprehensive pages saw loss in rankings for kind of long tails. I think it got very easy to see that that it was Google was really just refining the tent. So if you're trying to rank for a more obscure query and something that's very directional as far as like this intent is what the user is trying to do. A head term overview page is not going to cut it anymore. So this does change some things in terms of what you can do in your content strategy. Meaning before where I might say, I'm not going to write specifically on, let's say, complications of breast cancer. Because I can write a breast cancer article that just covers that. Mm -hmm. And I can have one article that ranks for 20, 50 terms. It might be smart to understand how that SERP, if you start looking at that SERP and noticing, actually, all the ones that are ranking now tend to be ones that are specifically written around that intent. You can start fracturing some of those pages. Now, there's always a risk in that because you're kind of diluting your link equity and some other things to think about in your content strategy. But that was kind of a clear takeaway for September at least for us. Yeah, fascinating. You had a perfect lead in that I totally blew apart by not saying, great, let's talk about SEO 2020 planning. But you know, you mentioned that you know you can learn a lot about the algorithm by going through these process that makes predictions hard and makes getting ready for the next year a little challenging. Uh, today we're here to talk about working with your cross-functional partners. So, mm-hmm. you know, as we start this part of the conversation, I just want to get a sense of who you consider to be the 
highest priority or most influential cross-channel partners that you work with? What teams are the, the ones that you're collaborating with the most? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I always say like SEO for me anyway, my job is to be a consultant for all these groups. So it, in a way, I don't think of them as very siloed, right? Like a, a website's an ecosystem like everything else. If I start changing certain things in the product that has editorial implications, which could have traffic implications, which could have yield implications. So like I try not to pull apart as individual things as much. But certainly when I first started here, the first place, because you can't like build that relationship evenly with every group right off the bat, the first place was editorial. Because one, we're a publisher. That's really where you're going to reach the most of your kind of audience. And two, it was our, it was our, you know, sharpest arrow in our quiver, certainly already. The content quality was already there. The more I can embed myself with that group, the faster I can move the needle. So editorials always, and at this point, I almost think of like part of our success at Helpline has been turning editors into SEOs, like, and turning SEOs into editors. So when we're in meetings with our editorial group, I have editors who have totally just lit backgrounds, never in actual digital performance in any way, talking about certain search intent, talking about cannibalization, and nothing makes me happier. Like, I think one of the most, one of the ways we've been super successful has been building that culture of how do you kind of integrate SEO into that group? And then the other way around, we have SEO say, Hey, I, from an editorial integrity standpoint, Maybe us tackling this certain topic might not be worth it, or we should rethink our sources for this particular one. And that's really been a huge part of it. But editorial is certainly one of the first places my mind goes in terms of that relationship is key for for driving success. Sure. And you know, as a as a publisher, it makes sense that you know your editorial team is very important. I think that for you know e-commerce businesses or some of the you know companies that are not specifically focused on their content as the product, mm. you know, you still have an important relationship with your content production team. And if you don't have a specific team dedicated to that, whatever external resources you have managing those relationships is really important. Outside of content production, you sort of mentioned briefly product, you know, what are the other teams, product engineering, your leadership team? Yeah, you spend a lot of time working on managing those relationships. Sure. So certainly our digital performance marketing team, you know, working with our paid team essentially to figure out, okay, like how much will organic contribute to a certain program versus paid? What will our margins look like next year? That integration is certainly something that's very tight. Our product team, absolutely. It's very interesting. Like sometimes you're just looking over, you know, we'll review each other's roadmaps, right? So I looked at products roadmap the other day, trying to understand where can SEO actually influence their roadmap? And then where are there spots where I need their resources? Like, I, hey, I have a thing. I want to do AMP, for example, next year in a certain place on my site. Well, I'm going to need product resources. So I better make sure I'm baked into their roadmap early enough on. So this is not what I would recommend to anyone listening. This is not something to do in November and go, Hey, uh, by the way, I have six things I'm hoping to accomplish next year, da 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 and blindside any particular group, right? Everyone has their own things. These need to be conversations that are going on throughout the year. And you need to be able to like be present in the early ideation of these projects so that you can have your influence and say, hey, well, there's an SEO component to that. So when we bake that in, let's think about that. Or that's not going to match up with something that I was thinking about and actually comparing and making decisions from that point of view. But I've seen that kind of folly 
of waiting till November and December to unleash a plan. And then 10 different groups say, we don't have the resources to support your plan. And then you're in a lot of trouble. So talk to me about the cadence of communication. When you're regularly talking to these teams, you're understanding what everyone is working on throughout the year. Is that a monthly check-in? Are you doing it quarterly? Are you sitting in daily meetings? You know, What's the right cadence for you to stay in touch with your products and your editorial and your engineering teams? Yeah, and it's not the same cadence for each group. Again, like I kind of prioritize it a little bit and say, hey, product, I probably need to check in with quarterly. Certainly, we have projects that are ongoing and always talking to each other. But really understanding what their plans are moving forward. It's more of a quarterly check-in, like around quarterly business reviews to kind of feel, okay, where are you guys going for this and that? And then there's a lot of just ad hoc, you know, kind of meetings in between those quarters of like, hey, I've been thinking about this. Let me throw this by you. And then they'll say, actually, that's on our potential roadmap for next year. Okay, then let's talk about it. So there's kind of more structured ones. And then there's ones where you just need to be pinging in with those groups. Luckily, I'm blessed that I'm in a culture where SEO is... I say SEO is the amalgamation of all these different groups doing a really good job. So you're a little bit of a consultant. So they are actively pulling me into meetings too. Saying, Hey, we want to change our navigation in certain parts of the sites to accomplish this goal. What do you see as the potential problems in that? How could we accelerate it? What's the win there? You know, and I get to get pulled into different groups, but building that culture was the harder part. You know, building that culture where I feel like every company is on its own spectrum of how willing they are to adopt SEO as a consultant (laughs) for whatever group, you know, whatever their goals are. But we've been lucky enough here to kind of build a culture where they're actively inviting me into those groups. So talk to me a little bit about how you developed that culture. You've been working at Healthline for roughly five years. Was it an SEO-centric organization when you arrived? Or is this a culture that you helped build? Yeah, a little bit of both. They weren't in bad shape. Certainly, like leadership was bought into SEO. My boss, Tracy Rosecrans, is world-class SEO. And, you know, had already been getting some of those wins in the company. But certainly had to accelerate that. Certainly had to build out different groups. And then people lead within five years, you know, you have leadership turnover, people change. So when new people come into a group, you have to do it again. You have to kind of reset the tone. I don't know. Like one thing that I was thinking about was there tends to be a notion that, especially in the higher levels and leadership and C level, that when you join an organization, you should make an impact quickly. So you see people join a company and they lay off people or they, hey, we're changing our total, our, our new mission and our new charter and all these kind of things. And I actually think it's kind of a myopic move and not that smart. One thing that I think we did well when I first came onto this team was listening. You should spend your first couple months joining any organization, meeting these different groups and just listening on what their, their pain points are, what their goals are. And starting to figure out how you can contribute to their goals, win them over with kind of small wins. We were talking about guitar right before we started. You know, I played too, not as good. Um, no one ever said I was good at the guitar, but go on. <laughs> It'd be like joining joining into a song mid song and just ripping a solo, and you don't know what key you're in, you don't know the tempo, you don't have an understanding of hey, is the bass player is is amazing and the drummer's kind of weak. Like you have no sense of the dynamics of what people are trying to accomplish. So you should sit in and and listen and just be, like I said, a consultant to these groups. What's your number one problem? Let me try to solve that. No one will say no to that. 
if you're working off your own budget and you're trying to get wins there, no one will say no to that. So depending on where you are in the spectrum of, you know, how willing your company is to adopt different SEO tactics, you might have to be more or less like a lamb in those situations. But I found that worked super well. And secondly, like adopt the group's shared language. Like this goes back to my psychology, cultural anthropology kind of love of things. The fastest way you can signal culture to any group and align with them is use their language. And sometimes it's as simple as like figuring out, oh, they don't like the word ranking and they want page visibility. Or like going to editors and saying we need traffic never, never really fits well. But if you say to them, hey, I want to get as many people seeing your content as possible. Distribution. Yeah. And it's just like messaging. And it's, it's super simple, but you'd be surprised. And someone will be like, oh, it's just semantics. Yeah, it's just semantics. But the end result is you're aligning them yourself with their goal and their mindset. And it doesn't have to... And I, when I say this, I don't mean this in a manipulative way. It's just understanding like what their goals are and kind of aligning yourself to them. That's helped us build a group where editorial cares as much about SEO as product does as much as the SEO team does, which is is awesome. And when you do that, compounding wins because you have everyone doing SEO. I don't have to catch something. I had someone recently who's not even part of any of the SEO group mentioned to me, you know, Authority Nutrition was an acquisition we did a couple of years ago. Turned out the redirects from uh, authoritynutrition.com wasn't... They broke. They weren't going to Hellfine anymore. There's tons of equity in those links. And we we're like, oh, good catch. You know, like people are educated enough to make those kind of things. And it makes it a lot easier when you have a company doing SEO than a um, department doing SEO. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. The culture really matters when you're talking about building and managing cross-functional relationships. And I think, you know, you mentioned the roadmap to creating a good culture the cadence for talking about and staying up to date with what your teams are happening. When you get to the end of the year and you're in the hardcore planning phase, you're getting ready for 2020 and the teams are starting to horse trade resources. Talk to me a little bit about how you manage the process of, you know, gaining all the resources that you want and need without being grabby. Yeah. You know, what's the right way to 
play nice in the sandbox, but without, you know, giving away all the things that you need to be successful for next year? Yeah, no, that is a great question. I think one tactic is take whatever area that you're hoping to develop and whatever you're trying to do for the next year and really hold it up to the flame as far as what's the overall business objectives. And if you can't easily answer, oh, this links me to this and we actually have company alignment, might be not a hill worth dying on. And you can start starting to separate kind of what are the projects that are really going to move the business versus what's not. Then secondly, when you're asking for resources, and I, I'm thinking of that from like a budget perspective with an SEO, but if let's say it's a time thing, like, hey, I need products time on this given thing. And they're like, hey, we got this amount of time to give you nothing less or nothing more. It's one way to kind of test that and get a feel for it and maybe get what you need is aligning with products goal. They're more willing to give you resources if you can say, this not only solves what I'm trying to do, it solves this other group's problem. It solves this other problem. If you can start getting buy-in from other groups and say, actually, that initiative would help us a lot out in yields or would help us out a lot in brand differentiation. And that's something that we're pushing for. If you can get allies, it's a faster way to make sure you're going to get the resources you need for it. And then lastly, there's always that stuff in the gray where you're like, hey, like we don't know how this will do. Why would we put money towards this? Why would we put time against it? And for that, it's really great to have a data scientist on your team and have a team that knows how to test. So in the middle of this year, I was testing things that I wanted to do in 2020. So that when this time comes along, or even months before this, to be able to say, here's the case study. This is what I think I can do. And here's the data. It's very hard for someone to say, we won't get you those resources when I say, hey, for every $5 in this group, I'm going to give you 10 per year. That's... They'll find money for that. Like, I mean, depending on your organization. You know, that's the, I think I'm, another place where I'm blessed is uh, Healthline's been willing to back resources like that. But in my situation, in my experience, having a strong case study and having some test results and some data to put behind something makes your argument go over a lot easier. I'm hearing three things. First off, the relationships matter when you're talking about building relationships with cross-functional teams. You need to speak the same language, understand what somebody's roadmap is looking at, understand what their objectives are. The second thing you need to do is to be able to integrate what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish with the overall company's goals, mm -hmm. right? If you're trying to drive increased visibility and organic growth and the company overall is trying to raise their awareness, there's obviously some overlap and being able to communicate that is really, really effective. And the third thing to do is come armed with data. This is not a fight. It's not a competition. Mm -hmm. But the more you're able to run small tests and provide the background for why a project is important and what the return is going to be, the more likely you're going to be able to be successful and getting the resources you need to actually execute. Yes, absolutely. Better said than I said it. <laughs> Much more sustained. And I would add just a little caveat to that last bit is don't compete. These are people that you should be aligned. You should all be going in the same direction. I've seen way too many times where someone's like, I have this idea. I think this is a bad idea. And they spend the meeting competing instead of saying, hey, we don't see eye to eye on this. Let's see where the data takes us. How do you feel about a test? Because they both want the test to prove, hey, I was right or you were right. So like, don't get in a competitive place, especially for SEOs. Because I mean, this isn't my experience at Healthline, but certainly at other places. 
of when you walk into a product group, product goes, this is SEO. They kind of know product, but they don't really. You know, there's, there, there can be that kind of feeling of they're not really a subject matter expert in my world. And your programmers and engineers will say the same thing. And your marketers sometimes say the same thing. Your salesmen. So you're a little bit of knowing the whole ecosystem. So if you get in a slug match of like, hey, I actually know your job better than you, you're going to ruin the relationship and the culture. You're going to have an uphill battle getting anything done with that group. The easier play is to always go, totally respect your point. That makes a lot of sense. Would you mind if I test it? We just want to see where the user goes. And uh, it makes it a lot easier. Where I've seen the competition come in is the fight between organic and paid growth channels, mm-hmm. right? The PPC channels always want the budget and the headcounts and the resources because they can spend a dollar and get a return immediately. And the SEOs are always saying, I can invest that dollar and I can get a larger return, but it takes a longer period of time. Last question I have for you is you're thinking about managing the relationship specifically with your performance marketing team. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for driving organic growth. How do you avoid not getting in each other's hair? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that's been the fundamental battle between so many SEOs, particularly because it's easier for CPC to show ROI on, on a quicker... Yeah, in the near term. Yeah, and then they get all the resources and then organic kind of gets the leftover. I think one way... And luckily, I, I had walked into a situation where that wasn't the case. Paid was mainly used to supplement organic programs. One of the ways that you can kind of do that is... Right. If depending on what your company's KPIs are, your your performance team probably cares about margin. Talk to them about how organic can totally help their margin. You can bring more organic free traffic into any campaign. It's going to lower your CPCs. You're going to have to do less of it over time to actually reach your goals. So that's a place where you could align with your kind of CPC team. We're not fighting. Like. Let me contribute some of my expertise into your world and I'll, I'll show you returns. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to focus on the funnel and you can separate it a little bit. And that's what we did a little bit at Healthline is, hey, really top of the funnel, organic's been a you know, more proven strategy, a less expensive strategy over time, if we can rank. And then lower in the funnel, when we need a more qualified audience, we can hand off to our performance marketing teams to really deliver there. So you can kind of align and separate, you know, both of those tactics can kind of help you uh, make sure you're a them. I think that there's a world where SEOs and PPC marketers can live in harmony. And the way that that happens is data sharing, mm. right? There is an understanding of, you know, hey, there is an opportunity for us to rank highly in this keyword, but we're struggling, but we see that there's value there. We should buy that traffic. Oops, you're running a campaign to try to address, you know, this type of users. It's really expensive. We're spending a lot of money. Let's try to build content to supplement that. And, you know, you can work together to accomplish shared goals. But again, it goes back to you have to have the relationships. You have to be able to communicate and talk to each other. Absolutely. Ryan, well, I, you know, I know that uh, obviously it's been a very busy year for you. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us about how you're building the relationships. Any last words, any last bits of advice for the teams that are going through and thinking about how to work closely with their cross-functional partners? Yeah, I mean, I would say like just to kind of wrap it up, and this might be the San Francisco psychologist side of me a little bit. But don't forget that you're just humans. You're all just people working together, right? You're in the business of people, whether you like it or not. So maintaining and nurturing relationships are vital. 
Like it might mean going to lunch, it might mean sitting in, but every interaction you have with someone in your group is a place to build trust. And if you start approaching your work like that, it'll be a lot easier to build the relationships, which builds the culture, which means you're going to have the wind at your back when you're trying to get things accomplished. And when there's pushbacks, you can trust it a lot more. When someone says that's a, not a good idea, you can see it from a place of respect and say, okay, well, what's their, what's their lens here? Why isn't it a good idea to them? How can I rethink this? It'll make you a better SEO, make you a better professional, and certainly it'll make your company stronger. So people are people. Be cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great advice. Turns out the secret to building cross-functional relationships is focusing on building real relationships. Hey! <laughs> and that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Ryan Pertill, VP of SEO at Healthline Media. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Ryan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is at Ryan Pertill 2, R-Y-A-N-P-U-R-T-I-L-L, the number two. Or you can visit his company's website, which is healthline.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions, if you'd like to talk to me about this podcast, or if you're interested in being a guest on the Voices of Search podcast, you can find a link to my contact information in the show notes, or you can contact me on Twitter. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed soon. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Music.